0: All right, good morning again. I could see you this time. That's nice. Hey, um, I know that those of you joining us online, you know that sometimes that's just it's just how you got to come and worship, and we're glad to have you. Uh, but when you join us online, you miss some things, um, like uh, Jerry Hagerman in shorts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. I'm I'm guessing, that, I'm guessing that if your mom and dad were around. You'd be in a lot of trouble today for wearing shorts to church. Anyway, I'm proud of you, Jerry. Good job. Good job. I, I did. I made the mistake last week, remember, of saying that today uh, it was official um, short, uh, beginning of short season at church, and, and then last night I looked at the weather, and it was going to be cold today, so I have to confess to you that uh, I wore sweatpants to set up this morning, and then I changed Got warm up, so... Uh, maybe next week maybe next week right Jeff it'll be warm it'll be good won't we'll have to wear jackets or anything that'll be that'll be nice uh, we're gonna wrap up our me myself and I series today and at the end of the service we've got some baptisms we're gonna do and so you picked a good Sunday to join us today we're excited about that um, so we've been talking uh, over the last well, Terry was here with us last week but the Two weeks previous to that. We've been talking in Romans chapter 7 and then uh, the last couple Sundays in Romans chapter 8. We're going to wrap up in chapter 8 today. And we've been talking about how difficult it is for us as human people to not sin. And the struggle that that is, we want to do the right thing. Remember, um, Paul starts in chapter 7, he says, I, I want to do the right thing and then I don't do it. And the wrong things that I don't want to do, those are the things I end up doing. And we're all in the same uh, bucket with, with Paul. We're all in the same place. We're all like that. I'm not going to do that ever again. And then we do it again. And it's frustrating. And, and, and we're just like, why does this keep happening? And it keeps happening because we're failed people. We're, we're sinful people. We can't get it right. And, and so often when we sin, we do things that we shouldn't. We think, ah, I'm going to be better Next time, I'm not going to do that. Next time, I'm going to think differently. I'm going to act differently. I'm going to do differently. And, and then next time comes and we realize that we can't, of our own strength and ability, improve our situation. We can't not do the things we don't want to do. And, and we can't do the things that we, that we want to do. It's just not the way life works. Adam and Eve's sin, very, very first sin. We go all the way back. To the Garden of Eden. Trader talked about this just a minute ago. Adam and Eve's sin wasn't eating the fruit that was forbidden. Now, they did that, and they weren't supposed to do that, right? But I want you to think through that process. That act of eating the fruit, that really wasn't the sin. It was the physical action that resulted from the sin, you think about it this way. Would, would God, would a, would a God who's all-powerful and holy and righteous and, and just, would he, would he allow humanity to destroy all of his good work? Oh, six times uh, in that, he says, it was good. The seventh time, the, the creation of humanity says it was very good. Would he allow all of that to be destroyed simply because somebody ate the fruit from that tree? Like that's not a very big deal. And we go, that, that can't be, there's got to be more, and there, and there is more. God would not have allowed the destruction of his perfect world because the wrong fruit was eaten. Adam and Eve's sin was their desire to rule their own lives, to be in control of their own lives. Adam and Eve's sin wasn't that they ate the fruit, that was the result. Adam and Eve's sin was that in their hearts they said, God, we don't trust you anymore. We don't trust you to determine good and evil for us. We want to be able to determine good and evil for ourselves. And and so really, you think about it, the sin of Adam and Eve was that they, they wrestled control of their lives from God. We get to control our own lives. We get to be the king and queen of our own lives. We get to decide what's good and bad, what's right and wrong, and we don't have to listen to you any anymore. Adam and Eve stopped trusting God's definition of good and evil. His, the way that he looked at the world, and they wanted to look at the world and decide those things for themselves. That was in the beginning, the very first sin of the heart—the desire to rule my own life. Fast forward several thousand years to the Exodus story. So we have uh, Israel has been in Egypt for about 450 years, for 200 and some odd years. They've been they've been slaves in in Egypt, cruelly punished by their Egyptian overlords, and God is. Tired of that, he hears their cry. He sends Moses. God, uh, Moses rescues the people through God's powerful shows of his might, and he rescues them from Egypt, and he brings them to this place called Mount Sinai. That, that, that mountain is still there, by the way, in Turkey, uh, uh, what, modern-day Turkey. It's called Jabel al-Laz. It's called Mountain of Laws. And in that place is where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, and then in the rest of Leviticus, the the next uh, 603 commands of God, the rules that the people were supposed to, to follow. In that giving of the law, God gave the people a code of conduct. This is how you are to live. This is what you are to do. This is how you're to approach me, to interact with each other. This is how it's supposed to be. And, and what we learned through that, um, through that uh, example, I guess, of Israel is that obedience to a code of conduct does not and cannot change the heart. The, the problem for Adam and Eve was, the, it was a heart issue. We want to decide for ourselves. And so we have this law given that says, okay, if you follow this law and you do what you're supposed to, The relationship between you and God is going to be restored. But it couldn't be. It couldn't be restored because the law, the code of conduct, wasn't enough to fix our hearts. And the heart is where all of that sin begins. It's where we first give in to desire. Desires like um, greed and pleasure and power. And really, those are the three big ones, right? You go all the way back to what the Israelites were dealing with when they came out of Egypt and into the promised land. What were they dealing with? Gods and false gods and idols that represented greed and power and pleasure. And they had all kinds of different names, and they broke them down into all kinds of little minuscule things, but that really was the basis for what was going on. And it's the same struggle that you and I have today. We want power, we want pleasure, different ways, forms, and when we want stuff, greed, right? we want money or we want things. So there's greed that shows up there. And so humanity's problem, our problem, is not about the physical act of sin, it's about our desire to sin, the reasons why we sin. And, and no law, no external law can fix what's wrong with our hearts. That was the point, really, of the Old Testament law, was to show us that following a code of conduct can't fix our hearts. The people did really good at obeying the law for the most part, but it never changed what was in here. So we continue to sin, we continue to choose our own selves, our own definition of right and wrong. We continue to go after power and pleasure and things. But we say, right? Um, I don't want to get angry anymore. I don't want to say th- th- hurtful things again. But you do. <laughs> or, or you say, uh, okay, I'm going to honor my marriage, I'm going I'm to stop looking at porn. But you can't stop. Uh, I, I apologize to, to God, and, and I said, I, I'm not going to lose my temper with my children uh, any, anymore until they push all the right buttons, and then you fly off the handle again. And so we want to do the right thing with Paul. We want to do the right thing. We want to o- obey the law. We want to do what God wants us to, but we find over and over again that we just can't. We try, and we can't. It's why God spoke through the prophet Ezekiel. So the Israelites had 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 sinned. They, they'd essentially um, stopped following God. I mean, they kind of, they went to the temple and, the, and they worshiped and they gave their sacrifices. But when they went home, they were following other gods. They were worshiping other gods and other false um, idols. And they were bowing down to them, doing all of these other things. And it was just a, a terrible situation. And so God said to the Israelite people, look, I, I'm going to I'm going to let you be conquered by another nation. You're doing exactly what the Canaanites did, and I drove them out so that you could have this land. And and now you've disobeyed me. You're not following me. Your hearts are hard. And so I'm I'm going to discipline you through the land of Babylon. And so Babylon came, Nebuchadnezzar came, and they they conquered Jerusalem, and they hauled everybody off to, to Babylon. And Ezekiel, the prophet, was sitting by the river in Babylon one day and God was speaking to him and and God said this to him in um, Ezekiel chapter 11. He says, he's talking to to Ezekiel about the trouble with the Israelites and all the stuff that's going on and they're they're, they're, they're just feeling bad and and God says, I will give them, he's talking about the future, he says, "Don't, don't worry Ezekiel, I'm gonna bring them back to Israel. He says, I will give them an undivided heart and i will put a new spirit in them i will remove from them their heart of stone and i will give them a heart of flesh so we go all the way back to the to the beginning and in, in Genesis chapter one, and the issue was that the hearts of Adam and Eve were hardened against God, and they chose their own way. They wanted to, to determine their own future and right and, and wrong. And from that moment, their hearts became hard. And then we get to they get to Israel and Mount Sinai, and God gives them this law, and He says, "Look, if you follow this law, then our relationship will be restored." But they couldn't follow the law because their hearts were hard. And then, and then God speaks to Ezekiel, and he says, look, Ezekiel, just, just it's going to be okay, because I'm going to do what they are incapable of doing. I'm going to fix their heart. I'm going to restore things back to the way it was in the beginning before Adam and Eve's sin. There's this promise that God gives, and, and this is really what this whole series has been leading up to. We know we can't do the right things. And it seems like the harder we try, (laughs) the the, the farther we fall. And so God sends his son. And Jesus does for us what we are unable to do for ourselves. And, And how that plays out in our lives as we follow God and we seek to be uh, uh, followers of him, we let Jesus, the Holy Spirit work in our lives. That process is called discipleship. And it's how we learn to live by choosing to die. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter eight today, and we're going to start in verse 12. Uh, two weeks ago, we ended with verse 11. So let's start with verse 12. Paul says, my, my dear friends, you must not live to satisfy the We must not live to satisfy our desires. Now, Paul is talking to to the church in Rome. So Christians like you and I, followers of of Jesus, people who believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of of Jesus and have tried to follow him with their lives. So this is us. Paul's talking to to us, to Christians. We must not live to satisfy our desires. If you do, well, you're going to die. But you will live... If by the help of God's spirit, you say no to your desires. And so I want to ask, I want you to think about what desires is Paul talking about here? You're going to live if you live by God's spirit and you say no to your desires. But but what kind of desires? What desires is he talking about? Is he talking about the desire to have nice things? Anyone who just want to have nice things? I, Andrew and I, this, this comes up a lot for us. When, when our kids were um, little, of course, we had Trent, who, who drew on everything. Um, and so we would say, we can't have nice things, <laughs> because Trent just draws on them. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't just Trent. Um, there, we, have, we have other children uh, who didn't draw on things, but they were just as bad. <laughs> uh, uh, Trevor and, and TJ, our oldest son and our youngest son, they're sitting over here so sweet. Now, now they're sweet. Um, Trevor and TJ, w- when they were younger, they loved to play this game called Fall in the Lava. Anybody play that game? Fall in the Lava, you, you play it, um, it. It has to be played. In fact, I think the rules are that it has to be played on the living room furniture. And the ground is lava. And, and so you, you, so they wrestle on the furniture, and try to knock the other one off into the lava. This is how you play the game. Share it with your children when you get home. Um, it's a fantastic game if you don't care about your furniture, <laughs> because I'm telling you, your furniture will not survive. It, it, the lava will <laughs> destroy um, y- your furniture. And so we, we joke about having nice things. Um, when we moved into our, our new house about three years ago, we bought our first ever brand new uh, furniture, some of it and. Um, and, and most of it works still, uh, and so that's good. And so, is, is Paul talking about the desire to, to have nice things? And we you know we want to have um, n- nice things. Is, is he saying that if you desire to, to make money in your life, so I want to I want to have a good job, I want to get a promotion, I want to switch jobs, like make more money? That is, is he saying that this desire to make more money or have more money that ma- makes you evil? That you're an evil person if you if you desire money? And, and if you're a Christian, some, sometimes we go, oh, yeah, because the uh, love of money is the root of all evil, which it is not. It's a misquote of the Bible. It's, love of money is a, a root of, of evil. Um, it's not the root of evil. And so money is not evil because money does some really great things. Money allows us to worship and to send the message out uh, uh, on live stream and, and do a lot of other things that are really good. Is Paul saying that we shouldn't be happy with our lives, or that we shouldn't have goals um, for our future. Because those are desires, right? So, what kind of desires is he talking about? Well, in Psalm 37, David, King David, the, the guy that the Bible says was after the heart of God, he, he wrote this. He wrote, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, are those the desires that Paul is talking about? God's going to give us the desires of our heart. We go, no, I, God would not give us the desires of our heart if the desires of our heart were evil. God would not would not fulfill those kind of desires. And so there must be good desires, and then there must be uh, more evil desires. And so Paul is obviously talking about evil desires, desires that would take you away from from following Jesus. And so, you know, a lot of people come to me and go, Hey, uh, pastor, I have an opportunity to get a new job. And would you pray about that for me? Cause I really want it. It's going to be great. And every time, almost every time somebody says that to me somewhere in that conversation, because I'm the preacher, what I get is, um, if I have this job, you know, I'm going to make more money. Uh, and so I'm going to be able to give more. And I'm going to be able to, to be involved more at church, you know, because it's better hours, blah, 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 all of these things. Do, do you want to know the percentage of times where that actually works out? <laughs> almost to zero. Uh, almost never. Because what happens is they get into that job and they find all of these things then that they're like, oh, well, but they want us to work weekends or uh, look, I have to get up really early. And so Sunday's my only day to sleep in. And so there's always these other things um, that, <laughs> that, that come in so um, Paul is talking about these desires that would take us away from following Jesus, that would get in the way of our following Jesus. And, and there's, there's nothing wrong with, with having money as long as that money doesn't become your God. That, that would be the sin of, of greed. And there's nothing wrong with enjoying an afternoon uh, in the pool as long as that doesn't become your reason for existing because then that might be the sin of self-righteousness or maybe um, laziness. If we only live to satisfy our earthly desires for pleasure or power or greed, to have things, if we only live for those desires, we're chasing after idols. And they lead us to spiritual as well as physical death. And so this is what Paul is saying here. You've got to have the right desires. You've got to follow after the right things. You've got to say no to the desires for power and pleasure and, and, and greed, and you've got to say yes to God. So on the flip side, you can experience a life full, uh, a full life, if you learn to say no to evil desires that are all about self, and you learn to say yes to the things that God would have you do that we delight in the Lord, and then he gives us, gives us the desires of our heart that aren't selfish or egocentric. Okay, the next few verses that we get into here in Romans chapter 8 are a little more um, difficult, and so we need to process them a little bit. So here's what it says in the next couple. Uh, only those people who are led by God's Spirit are his children. God's Spirit doesn't make us slaves who are afraid of Him. Instead, we become God's children, and we call Him our Father, and God's Spirit makes sure that we are His children. So um, that's a little tough. That's a little scary, even even for me. And so let me just ask you, because that's what Paul is saying, um, when was the last time you were led by God's Spirit? We'll wait for you to think of the, the last time. Did that happen? Because probably if you're like me, you're going, oh, crap. When, when was the last time I was led by God's Spirit? Was it a Wednesday? I did this. So we got to think, right? We got to process. When was the last time that I felt God say something to me, and then I responded, and I did it? And that's what most of us think. When was the last time God called me to do something really big, and I, and I actually did it. And and so answering that question, it's kind of of tough for us because Paul says that only those people who are led by God's spirit are God's children. And so if um, you can't point to a time where you were led by God's spirit, then you're not his child. Uh, And and if if I'm not God's child, then do I have the hope of heaven? Um, And in church ease, we'd say like this, well, am, am I even saved? if I haven't been led by God's spirit. And so then we begin to panic, right? And we begin to, what is it that I, I, I've done? Okay, God, I, I, I know that I did something that you wanted me to. And, 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 and it gets tough, at least for me. So let's talk about a different um, question. Have you ever had the desire to do something and then you didn't do it? You, you had a desire to steal a, a candy bar And and maybe it wasn't like this big evil thing that you're like, ooh, I'm going to go into the store and I'm going to steal a candy bar and I'm going to make it out alive. It's going to be great. Maybe it wasn't like that. Maybe it was just like, it just happened and you didn't really plan it, but it it just didn't. You found out all of a sudden you're outside the store and you have this candy bar and you were like, oh, I don't think I paid for that. Uh, it's It's just a candy bar. I don't know. Um. Or, or you're at the checkout and, and, and they give you the wrong change back. You end up with more change than you were supposed to have. And, and, and then like you're walking out and you know that they gave you more change. And, and, and most of us, I think, let's just be honest, most of us just feel like we won the lottery. This is a little lottery. But still, like, hey, I just stuck it to the man, right? Walmart made $7 billion last year. I think they can live without this 50 cents that they gave me back that I shouldn't have got. And so we justify those things, right? We think, uh, we think about it. There was, um, <laughs> so, so last year, uh, sometime last year, I think it was, we bought new tool carts for uh, worship stuff and for kids' church, right? So we get to keep all our stuff because we pack it up in the trailer. And uh, I, I went to Menards and I, I bought these two tool chests and, and one of them, all they had was the display model and I had a little dent in the side, so they gave me a little discount, uh, which, woohoo, good. So, uh, so I took those home, and um, they, they actually got them ready for me, and they took them to the back of the store, and I had to drive around, and I, and I had to pick them up. And then I got them home, and I was getting, ready, um, getting them ready to bring them to church on Sunday morning, and I realized in the back of one of the drawers of these tool cabinets was a socket organizer, a little plastic socket organizer. And I was like, oh, that's a socket organizer. Somebody left in here. They didn't check it. I didn't check it. It's their job to check it, right? I'm, they, they assume everybody's going to steal something. And so they're supposed to check things. And they didn't check it, and it was there. Um, and it matched the other two uh, two organizers, socket organizers that I had. I just didn't have one that big. I needed it. Uh, and it matched. And so it's good. And, and I... and." And so if I could just be honest with you, for a minute I was like, hmm, look, at God just blessed me, which that is not, if you get something like that, that's not God blessing you, that's God testing you. Uh, anyway, I'm happy to say I did pass the test. It was six months later when I remembered to grab it <laughs> uh, and take it back to the store and walk in and go, hey, I bought a tool chest, this was in here, it's yours, it's not mine, you, you can have it back. Here's why I tell you that story. Anytime you do something good, you're being led by the Spirit of God. Paul actually says himself in chapter 3, verse 20 of Romans, that there is no one who does good. That the only way that you and I can do anything good is if the Spirit of God is working in us. And so we're not just talking here Um, being led by the Spirit of God. We're not just talking here about God saying, I want you to be a missionary to Africa or I want you to start a church or I want you to serve somewhere or do this thing. We're talking about every little thing that you do each and every day where you have this desire because of our hearts. We have this desire to do something that God may not like us to do. And we stop and instead we do the, the right thing. We're being led by God's Spirit when we do that. Anytime we do something good, anytime we help out or we give a kind word or or, or we go above and beyond anything that we do, that's God's Spirit working through us. Every seemingly insignificant thing that you might do simply because God's Spirit is helping you say no to evil desires and instead... You're actually making present the kingdom of God in those moments. God's spirit, then, Paul says, doesn't make us slaves to God, where we do the right thing because we have to, right? All of us probably have done the right thing because we knew if we didn't when we got home, <laughs> it's not going to be good. And, and so I'm, I'm going to do this not because I want to do it, I'm going to do the right thing here because I know that when I go home, if I don't do the right thing, mom or dad's getting the belt out and it's not going to be good. Paul's saying we're not going to do these things because we're afraid of God. We're afraid that he's going to punish us when we do the wrong thing. We're going to do them because we want to do them because God is our our father. In fact. Um, your translation may say something uh, like uh, that, that uh, we become his children and we call him Abba, father. Maybe your translation says that. A- Abba is, is the Greek word for father here. And probably to our ears, what it would sound more like is um, we call him daddy. And that's the relationship we're supposed to have with God that we would do the right thing through the Holy Spirit's power working in us because we want to make our dad proud. Because we're part of his family. Because this is what we do. This is who we are, that his spirit is working through us. And so we do the right things, not because we're afraid to to go to hell. Because a lot of us probably, if you grew up in church, you, you know what that's like. The preacher got up and he said, look, if you don't do the right thing, you're going to hell. And so we were like, oh my goodness, I've got to to do this. And there's a lot of people who don't come to church now because that's what they were taught, that that, that God is to be feared. And if we do the one thing wrong, he's going to pounce on us and he's going to make sure that we never do that again. And that's not the God that, that Paul is talking about. The God that... Paul knows is a God that we can call Daddy. We can call him Father. And when we mess up, we can go back to him and we can go, look, I I blew it. And and he's going to go, well, well, there's discipline here. But it's discipline because I love you. And and I want to see you succeed. I want you to have the best in in life. That's how God operates. He he doesn't beat us when we fail. He encourages us when when we get things wrong. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead us through fear. He gently guides us toward the Father because that's the kind of relationship that he wants us to have. And so God's Spirit makes sure that we are God's children. How does he, how does he do that? Well, he does that by daily revealing those areas in our lives where our evil desires are present. And we all have them in in different ways, in different places, in different parts of our lives. We have these evil desires that keep cropping up and and my evil desires might not be yours, but they're still there. And, And so the Holy Spirit makes sure that we're children of God by revealing those areas in our lives that don't line up with kingdom principles and then helping us say no to those evil desires in order to say yes to living the life that our dad is leading us into. So that's how the, the, one of the ways the Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit helps us also to obey our dad and not our evil desires. He helps us by leading us to live kingdom lives, loving God and loving others. The Holy Spirit helps us by assuring us of our own adoption in God's family so that we're not trying to earn it, but we're all working for it. And we can't, we can't earn our salvation or right standing with God, but we do work towards that. We do work to find ourselves approved by by God to do the right thing. And so God's Spirit points out the evil desires that exist within our hearts. And and then Holy Spirit helps us say no to those desires. And then he leads us to live kingdom lives, loving others and loving God. And and then the Holy Spirit reassures us of our adoption in God. and, And there's more. Look at this last Verse, Romans eight seventeen. His spirit lets us know that together with Christ, we will be given what God has promised. And we will also share in the glory of Christ because we have suffered with him. Now, two weeks ago, remember I told you, anytime you see the word Christ, to replace it with the word king, because that's how the, the Jewish people would have would have heard it. And so let's look at that again. The, the spirit lets us know that together with the king... We will be given what God has promised, and we will also share in the glory of the king because we have suffered with him. Now, that changes uh, things a little bit, doesn't it? The, the way we see that, because we know about, about the king. We, we've read King Arthur. We, we know about that. We've watched those movies. You've watched the Lord of the Rings movies. You know who the king is and what the king gets. And, and Paul is saying, look here, if you're a follower, if you're a part of the family of God, you're an heir with the king. You're going to get the things the king gets. And so God reassures us that we'll be given what God has promised the king, and that's a lot. And that we will also share in the glory of the king, and that's a lot of Glory. And it changes the way we look at following Jesus and living in his kingdom. The glory of that kingdom will be ours to share because we're heirs of God along with the king. Paul says that this will be our due. This will will be what we get because we have suffered with the king. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I'm like, I, I haven't suffered much in, in my life. And yet when I look back over the scriptures that we've talked about today, I, I go, maybe what he's talking about is this. Maybe he's um, talking about how that our suffering comes when we say no to ourselves and those evil desires that come from a heart that is hardened and we say yes God and when we follow as the Holy Spirit leads us maybe that's what's um, maybe that's what's going on here it's this spirit that is pointing out the evil desires and then giving us the strength to live kingdom lives and then constantly reassuring us of our place in that kingdom God does all of that for us and then he blesses us for all that he's done through us that sounds like a good father to me and it's and it's crazy. And so what, what do we do? What do we do uh with, with all of this? Well we have to listen to God's Spirit as He reveals those evil desires. We're gonna pay attention. And we gotta follow that Spirit as He leads us into kingdom ways, loving God and loving others. And we have to remember with the Spirit, the Spirit will help us. We have to remember who we are in the kingdom. That I'm a child of God and so I'm a representative of his uh, to the world. And then, and then we got to remember that, that we'll receive, along with the king, the blessings of the kingdom. And that's pretty amazing to be a part of his family. We've got a couple of ladies today who are ready to step into that kingdom life They've listened to the voice of the Spirit in in their lives, uh, moving and and, and sharing and leading them and saying no to their own desires and yes to God. And they're going to say yes to God through the act of baptism today. A believer's first physical step of obedience in faith. In baptism, in water baptism, we recreate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We symbolically die to sin and to self so that we can live for Jesus, we can be a part of that kingdom. We can be adopted through that into God's family, helping to make that kingdom present in our daily lives as the Holy Spirit gives us that help. And so we've got two scheduled today to do that. Maybe you came today and, and you didn't know we were going to do baptism, but maybe maybe God's Spirit is working in your um, in your heart and leading you to that. And and I want to tell you we're we're ready for that. If you want to do that um Deanna's in the back at the connection hub we've got some shirts which may not fit you but I don't care it's okay with me (laughs) you can still wear it I'm sure it'll be good and I think we've got some shorts back there and so um if 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 God's moving in your heart and and you want to do that we're going to sing a song and you just you just hustle up back there to Deanna And we'll get you fixed up, and you can run to the restroom and change and come um, join us right over here. Uh, But we're going to be doing that and getting ready for that in just a minute. The band is going to do another song. Um, Here we are. All right, uh, let's stand up as we sing this last song while uh, people are getting ready to be baptized. So what God? Uh, no, the kids are coming out. Yeah, you didn't announce it, so. Oh, I didn't announce it. Okay, yeah, that's fine. We'll give you a second. What, uh, what God spoke to Ezekiel when the nation of Israel was in exile that that God would um, give the people a, a new heart, an undivided heart, would take the heart of stone and and give them a heart of flesh. Um, that's that's what's happening. 630 years after God gave that promise to Ezekiel, Jesus came. And, and by the death and resurrection of Jesus, that's what happens. We get new hearts as we trust Him, and we're able to live for God in a way that we couldn't when we do that, we try to do that on our own. And, and so that very same heart that God spoke to Ezekiel about and, and happened through Jesus is, is made available to us as well. And we follow God, we make this decision in front of all of you to, uh, uh, to surrender to King Jesus. That's a big deal. And God takes that heart and he's going to give you a new heart, a heart of flesh, a moldable heart where he can lead you by his, um, by his spirit to love him and love others into the kingdom. And so we're excited to have you join us in that. So come on, this is Phaedra. Go ahead. I think the water is, uh, is it warm enough still? Good. All right, come around here because you're going to sit on that. Nope, the other way. There you go. All right. You've seen this done before. <laughs> Phaedra, I'm going to ask you what uh, I've asked a whole bunch of people um, before you. Do you believe that Jesus is God's king and are you willing to surrender to him without excuse or condition, no matter the cost, for the rest of your life? Alright, then I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Hold your nose. Buried with Christ. Raised to walk in a new life. This has been a long time coming for you, huh? Oh, I missed your knee. we got to do it again. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am kidding i am kidding do not know if you know, but when we're taking a bath, our knees are never covered. <laughs> All right, Kathy. This is a bit. we need we need bigger steps over here. You want me to pick you up? <laughs> I don't think you're up to that. <laughs> I really don't. I've been working out, Kathy. I can do it. <laughs> I don't think you're up to it. Really. I don't. Alright, you gotta listen, you've got to listen to Vader. Kathy. <laughs> Do you believe that Jesus is God's King? And are you willing to surrender to him today without excuse or condition, no matter the cost for the rest of your life? Absolutely. All right. Baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, raised to walk in the life. All right, what's happening here? We got more? (laughs) All right. Did you bring a towel, buddy? No, it's all right. We're going to shake you dry. It's fine. (laughs) This way. He's old enough. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. All right, you want to get in? You guys are going to have to tell me all your names. You're what? Charles? That's a, that's a king name, you know that? King Charles. From now on, King Charles. Okay. Um, Charles, did you listen to what was just happening there? Did you pay attention to that? Okay, well, I'm going to ask you anyway. Charles, do you believe that Jesus is God's king? Yes. And you're, you're a young guy. Are you willing to surrender to him without excuse or condition, no matter the cost for the rest of your life. That's a big decision, guys. You better be ready to, to make it, okay? All right, because of that confession, I'm going to baptize you. Hold your nose. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ, and raised to walk in the world. Got somebody else? You gotta take your shoes off. Yeah, don't lean on that. Okay, do you wanna take your socks off too? You might as well have something dry when you get out. Stop with the socks, okay? All right. What's your name, bud? John. John. Not quite Charles, but that's okay. John's a good, oh, you got to turn around because I'm not left-handed. <laughs> All right. John, I'm going to ask you again, are, do you believe that Jesus is God's king? Mm-hmm. And are you willing to surrender to him without excuse or condition, mm-hmm. no matter the cost, for the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. Is that a yes? Okay, good. He said, he keeps saying mm-hmm. I think he's saying yes. All right, hold your nose. Because of that good confession, I'm going to, baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Buried with Christ. Here we go. Ready to walk in a new life. All right. I don't know if back up. Sometimes I feel like i got to hold them down a little longer. <laughs> I'm just kidding, people. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. All right, who's this? We had King Charles uh, and we Jordan. had John? I got Jordan. We got Jordan? Yeah. Like Michael Jordan? Kind of. I just don't, I'm not good at basketball. Okay. Well, Larry Bird was better anyway, so that's all right. He just said he didn't know who Larry Bird was. Oh, oh man. All right, Phaedra, I'm going to have some work to do on him. But... <laughs> all right, Jordan. Jordan, uh, do you believe that Jesus is God's king? And are you willing to surrender to him today without excuse or condition, no matter the cost for the rest of your life? Yes. Yes. All right. Hold your nose. I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father. Don't hold your breath. Just hold your nose. (laughs) Baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, buried with Christ. Grace to walk in the Lord. All right. There you go. Thanks guys. Let's pray. And then, uh, and then we'll be done this morning. All right. Heavenly father, thank you for these lives and thank you for what you're going to do in them through your spirit as you lead and guide them, as you replace the heart of stone with a heart of flesh. And, and we just, uh, watch and wait expectantly to see all that you're going to do, not just through them, but through us as a family, as we grow, as we follow you, as we surrender to you without excuse or condition, no matter the cost for our, of our lives. Um, God, thank you uh, that the kingdom is growing. Thank you for your son. It's in his name we pray, amen. Hey, love you. We're gonna start a brand new series next week called Grace is Greater. My friend Alan's gonna help me and uh, we'll be doing that all through the month of April. It's gonna be a really good time. We're gonna kick it off next Sunday together. So that'll be fun. thanks for tuning into real life live our hope and prayer is that the time you've spent with us has left you encouraged and challenged in your faith it may have also left you with some questions or maybe wondering how all this faith stuff works so we want to help you with that head over to reallifecc.us for a few different ways we can connect we're thankful you joined us today and want to extend an invitation for you to join us in person at our current home in el dorado kansas at the civic center 201 east central on sundays at 10 a.m we hope You'll keep tuning in and growing in your faith to look more like Jesus every day. See you next time.